How many here want to escape from something? You ever been to one of those escape rooms? A couple years ago, myself, my, me, or, me and my family, we went to um, uh, Myrtle Beach and we went to the escape room there and it's really, uh, you know, kind of a challenge there when you're confined to a space and uh, you know, you're trying to escape. And um, here a couple of months ago, I asked people in a picture-perfect world, what would you like to escape from? And I was overwhelmed by your responses. We have a wonderful congregation, but I have to tell you, we have a lot of folks that want to escape from a lot of different things. Some of us gathered last night as we gathered for prayer to pray for you and for one another that you might escape from whatever it is that's really confining you, trapping you. You know, we all walk through this journey we call life and we battle all kinds of issues. And I know some people are facing depression, others are battling addiction, addiction, some are struggling with stress, some are harassed by bitterness or guilt or fear, there's all kinds of phobias. I mean, the laundry list is long. And many become trapped and shackled to these kinds of things and really unable to move forward in life. And in this series that we're calling Escape, we want to help one another find freedom in Jesus Christ. We want to know, want you to know that there is freedom and hope for you. Whatever it is that's got you in bondage, whatever it is that has got you confined, and in this series, we want to help you escape with faith. Now, life, as you know, is composed of all kinds of risk. It really is. And you have to be wondering to yourself, why did God create such a world where there's all this kind of risk? But I think, in part, that a lot of it is that really the Lord wants us to learn to trust in him, learn to live our life with faith. Your faith in God can help you escape. And you know, all through the Bible, God asks people to trust him and to take risk. And the most famous example of this is uh, the reading uh, that we just had in the Old Testament today, the people of Israel that bolted for the door. And they wanted to break out of their bondage. And they went and they faced the Red Sea and they passed through it. And you know, as they did that, as I was hearing the story, every time I read this story again, what did these people do? But they responded in fear, did you notice? And there are all kinds of ways that fears manifest itself when you're trying to break out of bondage or when you're in that vicious cycle and you're dealing with whatever circumstance that you have. And these people, first of all here, notice that when they responded here and they moved forward, they became skeptical. Notice in verse 11, Moses, did you bring us out here in the desert to die? In, in other words, when we are afraid, we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt ourselves. We begin to doubt other people. We begin to doubt God. And we become very skeptical. And, you know, studies have shown that people who are cynics at the root cause is some type of phobia, some type of fear. You often ridicule what you're afraid of. Notice here, not only did these people, as they're trying to escape, they became skeptical, but fear also manifests itself in this idea of selfishness. The people became selfish. 
Because when you're afraid, the only thing you can think of is yourself. You don't think of other people, but you're focused on your circumstances, on your survival, on how to manage this mess, and you don't concentrate on other people. But listen in this scripture. Uh, they said, Moses, didn't we tell you before, look what you have done to us in verse 11. And when you're afraid, you accuse other people and you excuse yourself and you pass the buck, you blame others and you shirk your responsibility. You ever wonder why somebody doesn't want to make a commitment in marriage? It's because they're afraid. Fear manifests itself here in the form of selfishness, but not only that, there's an obstinate spirit we might call stubborn. Notice here in verse 12, did we not tell you before Moses, before we left, that this would happen? And we told you to leave us alone. In other words, they were saying to Moses, don't rock the boat. Don't upset the apple cart. We've always done it this way before. And fear keeps people, it keeps businesses, it keeps organizations, it even keeps churches from moving forward because it causes us to be stubborn. We don't admit it when we're wrong. Somebody said the hardest thing to open is a closed mind. But not only is there selfishness and skepticism and stubbornness, but also the short-sightedness. Because when the Israelites here were confronted with the Red Sea, notice here they said, it would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to die out here in the desert. Can you imagine what these people were saying? They wanted to go back to the good old days in Egypt. They wanted to return. They wanted to get back in the chains, back in their old bed, return back to their old couch and chair, and just live a life of bondage. It's kind of like the Jaws movie. You know, Jaws was on yesterday. I was flipping through the channels in the afternoon, and there was a Jaws marathon on. And a couple of weeks ago, we were on vacation. We're down at the beach. They've got all these stories about sharks. And you know, the crazy thing of it is, they tell us that sharks really kill less than one person. It's 0.92 Americans every year. If you really want to be concerned about something, they say 27 Americans die every year from a piece of furniture crushing them. <laughs> or a TV falling off the wall. There's a lot of other things that we could really be concerned about. We need to get off the couch and turn off jaws. But how do you escape? How do you escape with faith? I'm gonna give you some things that I wanna get down in the weeds a little bit and some of this is pretty straightforward but I wanna remind you of some things. One of the first principles you really have to understand is the principle of information. Do you know so many people operate their lives based on lies we tell ourselves? These myths out there, these things that seem to be logical but they're not factual. And anything that requires faith, I tell you, is going to have some risk in it. God doesn't want you making foolish risk. That's not faith. And so he says, first of all, get the facts. Find out what the facts are. Now, the Bible helps us in this, and many times it talks about this very clearly in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13. Every prudent person acts out of knowledge. Or in Acts 23, in the Living Bible, it simply says, get the facts at any price. Get the right information. 
Don't rely on the fake news when you're going to make a major decision, get the facts. Studies show uh, that really new businesses often fail because of uneducated enthusiasm. You ever watch Shark Tank? And some of these people think they've got a product that's going to be a home run, and it ends up bombing. Marriages are kind of like that too sometimes. And I've, I've worked with couples through the years, and there's this uneducated enthusiasm. Oh, we love everybody. We love each other. And uh, we don't need to think about finances. We don't need to think about, uh, you know, our lives together or how we're going to manage, uh, you know, our children or any of those other things. We just love each other. And it takes more than love to make a marriage, I tell you that. Information. A second principle that I think people have to understand if they're going to really escape is they got to understand the principle of evaluation. Here's where we fail a lot. We need to make sure to count the cost before we take action, and so many people fail to do this. You find out why and what you're doing and what the risk is. Now, there's a lot of warnings out there, and you see these crazy things all the time, and it's probably because somebody made a stupid mistake. It was like the other day I saw this stroller, and it said, remove infant before folding stroller. <laughs> and you'd think that'd be pretty obvious. And then there was another one out there on a bottle I saw. It was on the Internet, a bottle of hair coloring. Do not use as an ice cream topping. Or the cape, the Batman cape, the warning there, cape will not enable you to fly. <laughs> it's amazing today. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus addressed this in the Gospel of Luke, and he's talking about, uh, he's talking about discipleship, and it's going to cost you pick up the cross and follow me. He's talking there about the salt losing its savor and, and that it's going to cost. And notice what it says down in verse 28. Jesus said, don't begin until you count the cost. Jesus said that. Who, he said, who would begin construction of a building without first getting the, an estimate? Or what king would dream of going to war without setting down with his counselors? He goes on to say and adding up how many he's got in his army. Jesus tells us there that we need to evaluate. He says, if you're going to build a building, you better go out and plan a budget. He said, if you're going to war, you better figure out the strength of your army. He says, analyze the risk. Now, it's always easier to get in than it is to get out. Isn't that a principle of life? It's always easier to get in debt than it is to get out of debt. It's always easier to get into a relationship than it is to get out of a relationship. It's always easier to fill up your schedule to take on more than it is to actually fulfill your schedule. It's just a law of life that it's always easier to get in than it is to get out. And so you need to choose your commitments carefully. So many of us, and myself included, I'm preaching to myself here, we just take on more and more and more, and our heart is in it, but we realize that we don't have the strength to pull all this off, and we get so stressed out. You need to face the facts, count the cost, and you need to evaluate and analyze it. It's kind of like the guy there a few years ago up in Canada. He was at a honky-tonk or something like that in Canada, and he wanted the waitress to dance with him, and she wouldn't do it, so he whipped out his gun and shot her five times. 
She fell to the floor, and guess what? He tripped over her and broke his neck. And even though she was badly injured, she survived and he didn't. So often we do stupid things in life. And you know what? We need the principle of evaluation. Not only that, but then there's preparation. The Bible speaks about this too. It says in Proverbs again, a prudent person gives thought to his steps. You think where you're going, and faith is expecting the best. He says, don't go charging into battle without a plan. Another place here in Proverbs, it says, we should make plans counting on God to direct us. And notice there's two parts there. There's our part, but there's God's part. And prayer and preparation go together. Prayer and preparation are both needed. That's true. Before you speak, you listen. Before you invest in something, you investigate. Before you spend, you have to earn. Before you write, you think. Before you retire, you save. It's preparation. I wrote down a quote this week that really challenged me, and it says, if you don't prepare and prevent, you'll likely repair and repent. And all I'm saying here is that it's not unspiritual to plan. We even find it in the Bible. But these steps lead up to the last step that I want to concentrate in the last few minutes here this morning. And it's the place that I call the moment of truth. And that's what I want us to focus on here. You have to go out and launch out if you're going to be that person of faith. Now, I've mentioned to you before in my childhood, uh, once upon a time, I visited the circus. And my favorite act at the circus was the trapeze artist. I mean, that's kind of an amazing feat. Here these people are suspended 100 feet or so uh, above the ground. And in some cases, maybe one case, uh, I remember they didn't even have a net below. And uh, the interesting thing is these people are swinging and they're swinging to another bar out there. And the bars are separated just enough that they have to let go of one of the bars to grab onto the other. And there's just that split second when they're up there suspended up in the air and they're not hanging on to anything. That moment where they're 100 feet above the ground, they're holding on to nothing. And that's the parable, I want to say to you, that's the parable of living by faith. you got to let go of the past in order to grab onto the future. you got to let go of security in order to grab onto opportunity. And this is very important because the most difficult part of taking the risk is letting go of the old. What we want to do is we want to hold on to the old job before the new job is all finished and ready to go. We want to hold on to the old house and our old surroundings before the new is ready to launch out. And what I'm talking about here is throwing away some crutches. So often we rely on those things, even though they might be harmful and really holding us back, they're comfortable for us and they become these crutches. Now, have you ever been to Disney World and been on Space Mountain? I can remember the first time that I went to Disney World as a kid and I was getting on Space Mountain and there was this enormous line and you know the thing I noticed as I was getting on there was all these warning signs. I mean as a kid getting on there the first time you're going in this big white mountain of a building and there's these warning signs and you're there for like an hour hour and a half waiting around and and here's the first warning sign if you're pregnant don't ride this ride i'm thinking well i'm not pregnant 
And there's another sign there if you have a nosebleed or if you have high blood pressure or if you have a bad back or whatever, if you maybe have seizures or whatever these things are. And all the way you're kind of getting in position to ride this ride, there's all these turnouts where if you decide to chicken out, you can kind of slip out like you're going to the bathroom or, or something like that or you got to meet your party or, or uh, something happens. But there's a point where... They strap you into the bobsled, and you know there's no way out. This is it. The only way you're going to get out of here is to go through. You're going to pass through. You're going to go through, and that's a fact. There's no other way out. Now, that's what I call the moment of truth, and that's where the Israelites were. If you follow the story of the Red Sea, they were back on there were mountains on both sides. There's an ocean in front of them, and the Pharaoh is hot pursuit. They're in this little cul-de-sac, and guess who's coming for dinner? It's the Egyptian army. And they have this opportunity to believe, to have faith, but instead they respond in fear. And suddenly they begin to get very skeptical about things. They become selfish. You've let us out here. And they become stubborn and short-sighted. And all this happened and they said, Hey, Moses, who have gone astray in Egypt, why don't we go back? Why don't we go back to the chains? Why don't we go back to all these things? They had spent 400 years in slavery. And they had been beaten and battered and abused. Many of them had been killed. And uh, there were no rights. They were in shackles. They worked for some 400 years, and now they're saying they want to go back to all that. That's what fear does to us. That's what fear does to us. It causes us to retreat. What we're doing here is kind of like what the Israelites are doing, preferring slavery to uncertainty. And they say, I know we had it bad, but at least we knew what was happening. At least we were there and we knew our surroundings why do we stay in destructive relationships why do we put ourselves in these self-defeating habits that are bad for us we know they're bad why do we continue in relationships that are destructive it's because of the same reason they wanted to go back i think to egypt the point is they were afraid of freedom you know, the Bible says this, that when I'm afraid, I will put my confidence in God and I will trust the promises of God. He says, where do I get my courage to face my fear? It's in the promises of God. And you know, the key here to being liberated is moving against your fear. Don't pray about it. Don't think about it. Don't just talk about it all the time over and over, but take action. You notice here when the Israelites were at the Red Sea, God didn't take them around to a bridge or to a tunnel, but they went through it, and they could have really stood on the sidelines for the rest of their lives saying, we believe God's going to save us. But it wasn't until they stepped in the water and made the forward progress that something started to happen. And Moses here, he held up his rod and he says, move in, get going. You moved against your fear, you do the thing you fear the most. And notice this verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, quit praying and get the people moving forward march. And I don't know about you, but I like that. Get the people moving. Folks, I want to get you moving today.
out of whatever it is that's ailing you, that's chaining you, that's causing you such fear in your life. We close our service today. I want to extend an opportunity for you to come up front today, this altar for a time of prayer. Whatever it is that you'd like to escape from, or maybe it's a family member, you want to come and stand in place of them. What is your Red Sea today? Why don't you come? Let us pray. God, we thank you for this time that we can really come before you with the things that really frighten us and keep us from moving forward in our life. And Lord, we pray for one another here today. We know there are many that are struggling, many hurting, many that need to take that first step. We pray today, O oh Lord, that your spirit would encourage everyone here that we would step out in faith, lay down our crutches, place our confidence in you. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray.